Hello, I'm Art Fuller, PhD, and welcome to the latest episode of The 5-Minute Expert, where today we are talking about cooking shows. In the last 15 years, there has been a proliferation of on-air chefs and shows, but first a word from our sponsor. You Can't Burn It is the perfect cookware for the professional chef wannabe. Made from a secret, highly toxic metal found only in the jungles of South America, You Can't Burn It cookware can stand up to extreme temperatures and extreme abuse. If you don't like the way a skillet fries an egg, you can always use it to hammer nails. That's You Can't Burn It. If professional chefs can't take a chance, why should you? Well, TV is filled with shows about chefs and cooking. You know these shows. They generally make very elaborate meals with lots of exotic ingredients, or they try and mash up some good old standard fare with some other bit of hot mess and call it an artisanal food creation. I love food, but I've got a few problems with these shows. Have you watched these chefs while they cook? They're constantly tasting the food. They're sticking their fingers in some sauce or licking some spoon that they just plopped in a pot. For one thing, that's just gross. And everything they taste is always perfect. They'll tell you if you're listening, oh, that's perfect, or oh, just right. It doesn't matter if the color is burnt black or the dish is smoking like a freight train because they turned the burner up too high. No, it's still perfect regardless of what they do. Until the 1940s, most cooking shows were performed on the radio. The first radio cooking show in the United States, the Betty Crocker Cooking School of the Air, debuted in 1924 and featured the fictional character Betty Crocker. Cooking shows have been a popular staple of daytime TV programming since the earliest days of television. They are generally very inexpensive to produce, which makes them an economical, easy way for a TV station to fill a half-hour or even one-hour time slot. In the old days, we just had Julia Child, who had a cooking show on WGBH in Boston called The French Chef. Julia stayed on television from 1963 to the mid-1990s, doing a variety of cooking shows and publishing her cookbooks. In 1993, the TV Food Network was launched with a chef lineup that included Emeril Lagasse and Robin Leach. In 1994, Food Network bought the rights to Julia Child's Library of Shows. Well, Food Network soon became the second fastest-growing cable network and added chefs such as Bobby Flay, Mario Batali, Alton Brown, and Paula Dean. Food Network programming is divided into daytime blocks known as Food Network in the Kitchen and a nighttime lineup branded Food Network Nighttime. These two brands are totally different and promoted as such. In the Kitchen is devoted to instructional cooking programs while nighttime is food-related entertainment programming such as cooking competitions, food-related travel shows, and reality shows. In fact, we could categorize cooking shows into several brand groupings. Instructional shows, which actually demonstrate how to cook something. Competition shows, which have a panel evaluate a prepared meal. Reality shows, which showcase actual restaurants and owners. 
talk show formats, which focus on the personal lives of the show's host or chef, and documentary cooking shows, which focus on ingredients or foods from different regions or eras. There are also reality competitions within the cooking show genre, such as Iron Chef and Master Chef, where contestants are instructed to prepare meals with specific requirements and ingredients under a time limit. These meals are then evaluated by judges, which can include celebrity chefs and other notable personalities. Not surprisingly, the Food Network has promoted and developed cooking show personalities. As these personalities grew in popularity, so did their show ratings. Some personalities have been able to become crossover stars and have left the Food Network fold. Rachel Ray and Paula Dean both have successfully taken their cable following with them as they left. And as many personalities made deals for branded cookware, cookbooks, and food products, eventually Food Network began insisting on a stake in these licensing ventures and activities. Food Network is extremely popular but has struggled as competition moved into their TV arena. Other food networks such as the Cooking Channel and even YouTube now carry all sorts of instructional videos on cooking. Well, on these TV cooking shows, one of the last segments is the chef usually feeds their prepared meal to a group of people they refer to as quote-unquote friends. Probably, they're just part of the film crew and know their jobs depend on how much they smile when they bite into a raw chimichanga or burnt bacon Swiss tart. But they all start raving about how great the meal is. Just one time, I'd like to see the chef scoop out some dish, hand it to a guest, and they literally throw up because it tastes so bad. And then they tell the cook, this stuff is nasty. That would be real reality TV. Well, Larry, what do we have from the peanut gallery this week? Rachel Flade emailed us to share her thoughts and opinions on TV cooking shows. Rachel says, Does anyone ever really try these recipes out before they put them on TV? I've tried so many of these instructions, and they just taste like pure dog food. In fact, I wouldn't bother feeding it to my dog. He deserves better. Rachel, thank you for your candid musings on TV cooking shows. Well, folks, our goose is cooked for today. Tell one person about the podcast. You'll feel better about yourself for doing it. 